0: This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Daryl Chutka, general internist at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. The care of athletes often requires special knowledge many of us healthcare providers don't typically possess. Some of the areas of expertise include unique health problems related to endurance or strength training, and possibly a variety of nutritional supplements often taken by the athletes. We're going to get a glimpse into the specialty of sports medicine as we speak with Dr. Andrew Jagum, the Director of Sports Medicine Research, and Dr. Jacob Erickson, a sports medicine physician, both from the Mayo Clinic. Uh, thank you both for joining me today. This is kind of a neat topic. I guess I'm curious, do you see many patients who have health problems related either to their exercise or maybe the nutritional supplements are taken? Is that common?
1: It it definitely is common. And one of the things that we always remind people, too, is that we're primary care sports medicine providers. And a lot of times, particularly at the college level, athletes are away from home. We serve as team physicians for a few universities, um, and we always keep in mind that a lot of times we're one of their few points of medical contact. So when they come in, even if it's just a specific injury, we gotta just always remind ourselves to step back, take a breath, and just consider a bunch of things, and not get too hyper focused on just the injury and managing the injury. We gotta take it a step back, or even two steps back, and try to get an understanding of what may have led up to that injury. Mm-hmm. If it could have been related to fatigue, exhaustion, you know, stress from being away from home an illness, a number of things. And again, not just focused on the, on the orthopedic injury per se.
0: All right. Let's structure this podcast a bit different than we usually do. I've got a couple of cases for you related to athletes, and I'd like to kind of look at them through your eyes and see how you see things differently than I do if I were seeing this patient. So the first patient is a 20 year old female and she's been training for marathon. She's been running 60 to 70 miles per week. And despite her vigorous training program over the past few months, she's noticed a decline in her performance. She's no longer able to keep up the pace that she was at three to four months ago. And at times she's actually had to cut her uh, training program short due to just being extremely fatigued. She feels sluggish and tired during the day. Yet she says she sleeps okay at night. She thinks so. Uh, She's got seven to eight hours of sleep per night. And she comes to see you as an outpatient. And she wants an evaluation as to why she's feeling this way. Physical exam, a fit-appearing young female, no apparent abnormalities on physical exam, specifically her cardiac and pulmonary exam is normal. So as an internist, if she were seeing me I guess I would think of a young female with an anemia, I would think of heavy menses. I would think of somebody who maybe donates blood frequently, or maybe less likely a possibility of some type of malabsorptive state, such as celiac disease. But what would you think about as a sports medicine physician? What goes through your mind?
1: Yeah, and that's perfect. And as a reminder to any of the providers listening, that just because it's an athlete in the sports clinic that we as a sports medicine specialist can't lose sight of those general medical things that can happen to. It's exactly right. We always start with just kind of getting to know the patient a little bit and just starting off with some easy questions, reminding, just re- remembering that if they're away from home, they probably don't like coming in as a college student to, to see the doctor. They may just be a little bit nervous. So just some low key questions to get a sense of what they're studying, how they're doing in school, and then let that kind of bleed into a little bit of what is social life like? Is there any problems there in terms of doing some quick screening for anxiety and depression? Is there high stress levels either at school? Are they also working if they're also on a college team? How are they balancing all that just to get a, a quick sense of do they seem like they're okay or do they seem very stressed, very anxious? Are they starting to self-isolate just to get into some of those non-medical reasons that may lead to fatigue? As we all know, anxiety and depression can be a really big energy zap. Certainly, if there's anything tipping off there, you know, delving and going into that realm a little bit more. Absolutely, as you mentioned, in a female screening questions for what are menstrual cycles like, any change, you can also get a sense of the intensity of the exercise they're doing. Certain females, they are exercising intense enough, may actually develop an absence of menses. And so that's something we want to key in on there. One of the big things that we will focus on in sports medicine specifically with Part of our area of, of interest is nutritional-related, really getting a sense of, okay, what are you eating day-to-day, and just to try to get a ballpark estimate based on your training volume, and what are you eating and consuming to get a sense of this kind of this energy balance. Is there enough coming in to support the activity level that you're doing, in particular as a college athlete that's on a team? I'll let Dr. Jagam speak to this, but as we come to find out and work with this population, and with the convenience of having wearable devices and being able to track more information on them, we do find that oftentimes an athlete is oftentimes grossly under eating the amount of calories that they need. One, just to sustain their normal body, but then to also recoup the losses that they're burning with all the intense training required of, say, a college level athlete. uh, Dr. Jagum kind of speak to it, but just with a local high school basketball team, we did some wearable technology on them just to track them for an hour practice to get a sense of what they were kind of burning. And then also with one of our college football teams to get a sense of of where their calorie needs are. This had some pretty substantial findings that even kind of changed how coaches were looking at their athletes, how their athletic trainers and their own medical teams were looking at their athletes and how we could actually better advise them because anytime we have objective data. It just helps. But I think it was, it was kind of eye-opening for everyone involved and definitely affects how we kind of approach patients, particularly when they come in with a performance drop and fatigue. We definitely like to key in on some of the nutritional aspects.
0: Okay. So Andrew, what kind of nutritional problems could this patient be getting yourself into?
2: So that particular one, uh, a common issue in female endurance athletes would be low iron levels in an athlete like that. So making sure that they're eating enough iron-rich foods to obviously support the daily turnover and and needs that she would likely require in that type of a scenario. But even kind of a broader issue that Dr. Erickson alluded to. Sometimes it's more than just one single nutrient that could be playing a role in that type of scenario. So a common issue that's being discussed a lot more in the literature recently is this relative energy deficiency in sport. And it's kind of a a chronic mismatch between the energy in and energy out in the context of athletes and the the type of training that they do. So not only could it be problematic where you're not getting enough energy in, but then again, in that type of scenario, if they're not getting in key nutrients For whatever reason, they could just omit those types of food sources in their daily diet. They could be trying a new diet fad or strategy that they read about online or saw in a magazine. And that might be a particular eating strategy that significantly omits certain food groups or, again, certain kind of nutrient-rich sources of food that now all of a sudden they're not getting in their diet. So we, we kind of look broadly at their dietary intake. And try to key in on certain major issues like that that could be contributing to that problem. But then again, just making sure they're getting enough overall energy to support the level of training that they're doing. And again, I would say endurance athletes in particular tend to be a little bit more prone to that type of energy deficiency where they're just not eating enough to support that level of activity.
0: Okay. Well, let's take this case a little further. You mentioned iron deficiency and she did have some lab tests. The CBC revealed a hemoglobin of 9.2 grams. Her most recent CBC was three years ago. And at that time, her hemoglobin was 12.8. Her MCV was low, 72.6. White count, platelet count were normal. And on further study, um, she did turn out to have an iron deficiency anemia. So what are you thinking now? What could be the cause of her iron deficiency anemia?
1: And so definitely running through, like you said, being a female athlete to check on menstrual cycles. And as, you know that definitely can be a culprit to find out, has there been any changes for her there? Is she someone that menstruates for quite a few days? And what is flow like if it's heavy? That certainly is, is a factor. And again, just because she's an athlete doesn't make those other things go away. And that still can be a factor. But in higher level endurance athletes, runners, and then females in particular, uh, we definitely can see the exercise and just that, that con- conditioning. Physiologic adaptations to strenuous endurance exercise can lead to an iron deficiency anemia in and of itself. And so, if, if we're going through and it's an otherwise healthy female, really nothing else in terms of you know vital signs aren't abnormal, she appears to be you know normal weight with a relatively normal BMI. This is a college athlete in this scenario. It sounds like training volumes are high, training intensity is high. It is a known entity that, in that particular scenario, that can be reason enough to cause. The iron deficiency anemia with the hemoglobin dropping a little bit she has truly been anemic they tend to start off with just having low iron in that scenario but then as things progress so this, this in this case this has likely been you know going on for a little bit to actually result in a drop in the hemoglobin factoring all those other things maybe checking some additional labs and then deciding you know do we feel that reasonably on the history this otherwise healthy female really taking no other medications no other concerning signs coming up to consider, you know, getting a little bit of additional work for the, to confirm iron deficiency anemia, and then talking about a treatment trial and following that, assuming a healthy female with no other obvious cause for it, we would expect her to respond to treatment within a month or two and start to note a trend in a positive direction. And, and during that following, if we're not seeing it responding as you would expect, then it's time to, hey, Despite this being an athlete and a runner, let's maybe look into things a little bit further. Do we want to involve either an internal medicine colleague, an endocrinologist, hematologist, what have you, to start going looking for other culprits of it?
0: So let's say she gave you the additional history that she has been on a vegan diet for the past year. Can she get into this kind of shape by being on that diet, plus her incredible energy expenditure?
1: By getting into shape, do you mean getting into the iron deficiency? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, the... the So the short answer is yes. And in the case, if there's some specific dietary practices or patterns in the case of a vegan diet where they may not be consuming enough iron in their diet can make her more susceptible and more likely to do it. Even someone with some adequate iron in their diet, if they're exercising strenuous enough and in the right scenarios can still develop. So the two combined where there's likely a dietary restriction and the strenuous exercise over time can make it more likely to, to happen.
0: So how would you replace her iron? Would you give her an iron supplement? And if so, how much and for how long?
1: Yep. I think we would look and review to see. So in the case of someone, if they are vegan, you know, getting a full understanding of why that they're a vegan and not necessarily looking to overhaul their diet, but providing some education that, that, Hey, with this type of dietary practice, likely under ingesting things like iron among some other things. And then uh, yes, most likely would start with an iron supplement and could even do something with an iron tablet over the counter ferrous sulfate, very common to take. That's a usually a 325 milligram pill with about 65 milligrams of actual iron in it and start on that. And then providing education, typically taking that orally on an empty stomach, starting with one pill a day before meals, and then gradually over days and weeks, building up to two pills a day and up to three pills a day if, if can tolerate one of the issues that we would educate them and if their parents are around is that there can be some gastrointestinal upset, sometimes some constipation, sometimes some bloating and cramping. I would say that's very common. The majority of patients will experience some level of that. And so starting a little bit slower with one pill a day for at least a week or so, and then as tolerated, trying twice a day. And if they can tolerate it three times a day, I would just say, in our experience, I would say frequently most people, um, particularly in the college age, once they get up to three pills a day, do experience some level of stomach discomfort, whether that be cramping or constipation. And that just may not be reasonable to them. And then we back off to twice a day and you know, letting them take as much as they can. And then also letting them know that more than likely their stools are going to turn a black in color and always best to give them that warning ahead of time so that they don't get scared at home and call in. And then, like I said, if we're going to you know, just doing some initial testing, presume this to be iron deficiency anemia related to the exercise, maybe some dietary deficiency, following it relatively close, you know, say a month or so, a month to six weeks after, after starting this, rechecking some labs. And again, we would expect a response within that four to six to eight week range. And if we are, go ahead and continue them on it for several months, continuing to follow that periodically to make sure that they come up to within normal limits following them clinically, that are they feeling better? How are things going? So clinically, we want them to be feeling better. With lab recheck, we would expect them to come up to normal. Again, if on recheck labs, say a month or two after, if things aren't showing trends toward improvements, they may not be in the perfect range where you want them, but they should be trending there. If they're not, that's when it's time to say, okay, what else might be going on? And then run through a lot of the usual medical things. And again, as we mentioned, particularly in the college, college-age athlete, if they're coming into the sports clinic, because oftentimes it's referred from the trainer, they may not get home regularly to get a, even get an annual exam and whatnot, despite, you know, being recommended to. So going through some of those things and on the review of systems, you know, even leading up to this, if they're having stomach upset, you know, some food intolerances, are they having some diarrhea, potentially screening them for celiac disease, as you mentioned at the outset. So still needing to think about those things. And a lot of times when we're doing this workup, even just based on our, our history and questioning, we may choose to you know pick off some of those tests and just rule out some of those as they're obviously not very invasive to rule out for them. And sometimes we find an athlete came in because they're they're concerned about their performance. They've been tolerating, say, some stomach upset, some diarrhea, some food intolerances for a while. And we may find with this that lo and behold, you also have celiac is, is the ultimate underlying culprit.
0: All right. Well, I've got another case. This one's uh, just a brief one. Let's say you're a primary care provider in uh, Frostbite Falls, Minnesota Medical Clinic, way up in northern Minnesota. You're seeing an athlete for a sports physical exam. He's an 18-year-old male basketball player, standout player at Frostbite Falls High School and has a college scholarship to play basketball at the local Midwestern University this fall. For the past three years, he's been practicing basketball at least three hours a day, six days a week at an indoor gym. He comes in. His physical exam seems just fine, no abnormalities. Do you think anything uh, needs to be done? Uh, Does that trigger any thoughts in your mind about what maybe he could be getting into trouble with?
1: Yeah, certainly with the focus on there being indoor in the Midwest in a cloudy area, not getting likely much sun exposure, would be thinking about vitamin D. Same thing with this case, kind of how we started, again, trying to Always keep an open mind and and thinking in general and running through some of those cycle social things really always having depression and anxiety on the radar. It seems like every few years the amount of pressure and workload that's on both high school and college students to perform, it seems like the school load gets higher, they have jobs and also trying to, you know, be on a team sport. It's just a lot for younger people to handle, and particularly if they're moving away. So definitely not losing sight of those psychosocial stressors. And and also the overall thinking about calories, that calories in versus calories out balance. One of the things that we were referencing earlier is when we had put on some of these monitoring devices, we found just in a a straightforward high school boys basketball practice in an hour's practice, they had burned between 900 and 1,000 calories in that practice. So a substantial calorie burn if they're not necessarily thinking about that, and if coaches and parents aren't reminding them that that needs to be replaced because certainly if they're under eating and under nourishing that calorie deficit from the workloads they're doing is going to be a big source of fatigue and performance drop. So always thinking about that and all of these types of scenarios too. But definitely in this type of case scenario, Midwest, not getting a lot of sun exposure, certainly vitamin D is something that, that can be checked in the labs and, and would certainly be a reasonable thing to check um, based on the performance drop, some of the fatigue and, and given that particular clinical scenario.
0: All right. So let's say he does have vitamin D deficiency. How would you replace it? How much would you give and how long does it take?
1: And again, there a little bit can depend on, on the labs, um, you know, doing, doing a quick dietary review, seeing what they're ingesting, but, but kind of checking on their lab, a little bit debatable, but generally consistently if, if a lab value, you know, is roughly less than 20, but certainly if they're you know, lower than that, talking about replacing. Maybe a rough, you know, rule of thumb on most labs is a normal range of a total vitamin D level will be between that 20 and 40 level for the most part. Once we're under 20, definitely getting on the low side to be thinking about replacement. certainly if it's getting down 12 and 10, which I would say is not going to be quite as common. If it's mainly an otherwise healthy person, just lacking sun exposure and relating to athlete performance, probably in our average athlete, we're not going to see levels dip that low as there can be some other issues going on with that. But certainly, if if they're you know low, less than twenty, that is something that we would consider replacing. Probably just starting with a, a simple vitamin D over the counter supplement. Typical now is, is about two thousand international units. Uh, I'd say one to two thousand international units daily, been just taking that orally on occasion. But I, I would say probably not in the scenario that we're discussing. And say an otherwise healthy college athlete, if someone is very low in that 10 range, may have some other abnormalities and symptoms going on. That may be somebody that would then benefit from a prescription version where they're getting a much larger dose, say 50,000 international units weekly for you know close to eight weeks, and then backing off to orally from there. But I'd say in the average athlete that is meeting criteria to be low, not significantly low, putting them on oral vitamin D daily planned for likely several months, and then checking labs a couple of months later. Again, to make sure trending up.
0: You know, another issue that's related to uh, vitamin D supplementation. I have seen three patients just this week who I have checked their vitamin D because I suspected it was high, and sure enough, um, they were quite high. I think this has got to be one of the most common nutritional supplements taken: the vitamin D. Um, I had one patient who was actually taking three different sources of D and she didn't realize that because it's in every multivitamin. Basically it's, it's often in calcium and she was taking a D supplement, but she was taking 6,500 international units a day for the past couple of years. And her level was like twice the uh, normal level for vitamin D. So this is a common issue and um, patients don't realize this is a fat soluble vitamin and it's not going anywhere once it gets into our body. So Unfortunately, none of them had any calcium disturbance, but uh, I think hypervitaminosis D is is equally uh, a problem.
2: I think with both the nutrients that we discussed today, while some of those problems can be fairly common, we come across athletes who just blindly supplement with iron or vitamin D almost in a prophylactic type of fashion because they hear about it a lot. They think, oh, I better take this too. And as you mentioned, you can certainly encounter problems if you're overdosing with something that you don't necessarily need not only is it kind of a waste of money and you're not really going to get any benefit, but you can certainly run into some adverse events and some other health issues that are almost self-induced in that type of setting where you're just, again, blindly supplementing with something that you don't necessarily need to be taking. So it's it's usually important to assess, not just guess, with some of these over-the-counter supplements or other things that someone might just be blindly doing because they've heard a lot about. So With some of these, it is important to get lab work done if you can, or at least consult with someone before just taking a lot of these different supplements. And then, you know, that other issue of kind of poly supplementation is an important one too. make sure you pay attention to supplement facts labels and make sure you're not overdosing or or taking multiple different doses or sources of something if they're in different types of products that you may be consuming on a daily basis.
0: How true. And, you know, specifically with vitamin D, I've been looking into this. There are a variety of doses out there available over the counter, not only the 400 to 800 typically found in multivitamins, but there's 1,000 units, 2,000 units, 5,000 units. And I had one patient who was buying some over-the-counter 10,000 international unit capsules, and there were no instructions on the bottle. And patients, I think, assume that that must be one daily dose. Technically, that was probably enough once every two weeks for her. Uh, yeah, they really need to be careful using some of those things.
2: Absolutely. I definitely think that
1: with his line there to assess, not guess, I think and the word supplement is just that it's designed to supplement and fill in gaps. The majority of people are going to be okay. The majority of endurance athletes are going to be okay. We definitely can see these deficiencies in them, but exactly that we need to objectively test and see, are you deficient? If you are deficient, it, it makes sense and is, is very reasonable to go ahead and supplement to get back into the normal range. And then for the providers listening, if we just quickly look at, at literature. We might see a quick headline, performance or strength benefit from supplementation with vitamin D. We really need to kind of delve in there. Uh, Dr. Jago and I were just talking about a few studies. When some of those studies, when they find and will state that there was a positive performance benefit based on whatever they're measuring from supplementation, with say vitamin D, when we look at it, the people at baseline that got the benefit from taking the supplementation were actually deficient at the start of the study. Supplementation brought them back into the normal range, and then, yes, they did well. So again, there is benefit and some performance benefit, per se, if you are deficient. This is still ongoing. We do hear about vitamin D all the time and all its other extraskeletal and extra musculature implications and things that could be coming down, and I think oftentimes patients in general this if a little is good a lot's better and just start you know taking it because it is over the counter they think if it's over the counter it's a supplement probably can't hurt you by and large most people may not need it and then as you've mentioned there certainly can be very real problems from taking too much either vitamin d certainly too much iron and other things so it really is best to be advised by either a medical professional or a registered dietitian with some objective data that if you have a gap you have a deficiency okay, it makes sense to do this regimen under the direction of a trained professional. If you're just taking it and in hopes of getting some benefit, chances are you might just be wasting your money, but then also walking the line of potentially having some untoward effects.
0: Well, Jake, Andrew, thank you so much. This has been a great discussion. Uh, We've been discussing health conditions with two sports medicine physicians, Dr. Andrew Jagum and Jacob Erickson. Thank you both for sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you.